where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. And we're back. Wait one second. And we're out of the freeze frame. Let's continue with the episode. <laughs> this is part two of Showdown, released a week later from uh, part one, 31st of March, 1983. Jimmy B directing. Continuing this episode and written by the Charles Brothers. Yeah. Finishing what they started with part one. Right at the start, there's a montage of the previous episode, which was nice. Should we give it a listen now? Yeah. Is Diane about to fall for Sam's brother? Will Sam's heart be broken? Will Norm find happiness in his new job? Will Coach return to coaching in Venezuela? Will Carl Yastrzemski please call Cheers and ask for the Spitfire? Although I like this, I thought it was a bit weird. <laughs> so it's Carla giving us a rundown on everyone and yeah. where they're kind of at at the moment. Diane's been away for a bit. Do you know what it reminded me of? Soap. Yeah. It was a kind of parody of soap operas where at the end of every episode they go, does Jeff really want to marry Mary? So yeah, we're back in the bar. We're here to see what happens with this season finale. First, the cold open. Yeah. We've that, seen it before. We've seen it a quite a while back. All the way back in episode five. Coach's daughter. This is the scene with the lab technician. Virologist of sorts. I remember saying it would be a good cold open. Yeah. took my advice. Yeah. It was quite strange to see this happen again. And I'm not sure whether that was because there was never an intention that part one and part two would just be together. I think they were written together, but... Also, the cold opens are not necessarily filmed in sequence, which is mm. why sometimes they don't connect with the episode. Mm. We've seen a few times the cold opens have little to do with the plot of the episode, but they are a nice short scene. And I think this is one of the ones where, because it was continuing from last time and because there was so much built up, I don't think they really could have put a short scene which connected the episode because it no. would have felt weird to have... It'd be disconnected, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be weird to have a short snippet which continued but then abruptly stopped in mm. order for the titles. So they brought back Chuck. And that was uh, quite a nice surprise. Adrian Branch commented on our link to Coach's Daughter and said that the scene was reused later. And he's not wrong. It was a really good spot there, Adrian. Ten steps ahead of us. He's been paying attention. A true fan. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Adrian. As in, a true fan of Cheers. Not necessarily ours, I'm not going to presume. We're in the bar. Diane's been away for a bit. Sam's been getting on. He's been denying that he has feelings for Diane uh, while she's been going out with his brother, Derek. Bit awkward, to say the least. On Diane's return, she has a conversation with Coach. Coach asks, and she kind of admits to Coach that she does have feelings for Sam. Yeah, she's kind of abandoned Derek, hasn't she? Also at the point where she's come back to give Sam one last chance to admit his feelings. Mm. Otherwise, she's giving up on it. And she's saying what she doesn't get from Sam is certainty. Mm. And he's never been open. Well, neither of them have about what they actually would like from each other and this is the opportunity yes which sets up the stakes for the episode something which has been running all the way since the first episode where sam said and the phrase magnificent pagan beast has never left your mind and this episode is where it's set up to either reveal itself to be true or false so we'll see what happens and for any of you listening if you were putting your bets on we'll let you know at the end of the episode Peggy Cabana plays Cindy, who's one of Sam's dates. You know, Sam's living quite a hedonistic lifestyle when it comes to dating mm. now, because he's trying to distract himself. Yeah. He's not seen Diane for a while. He's panicking a bit. He feels like he's lost that chance. So he's going through his little black book, trying to find anyone he can, really. Yeah. And he finds Cindy. Alan and Paul come back. Alan Cost, Paul Vaughan. Mm. They're still in this episode. And these are our bar flies. We're going quite accustomed to them now. They've been in quite a few episodes. They have, indeed. Oh, I'm disappointed Jack's not 
Sorry there. Last one. Jack's last episode was The Boys in the Bar. I know. I think he must have left. I think he found a different watering hole. That'd be a shame if he did. But that's a subtle nod then. In the last few episodes, we have seen new barflies who have been in this sort of tail end. Yeah. Oh, oh well. Oh, we'll, well. Keep an eye out for Jack in the future. Be a shame if he did leave on after that. Good riddance. We're in disagreement about Jack. A few of the plot lines from last episode are resolved here. In the last episode, I was saying they were set up in such a way that it could either have ended the show with the one season as a nice arc, mm. or it could have continued it onwards, and they've chosen to continue the storyline. Continue forever. So, let's go through them one by one. First one is coaching his Spanish. That they resolved really quickly. Very quickly, yeah. He's not going... <laughs> not because they didn't like his Spanish. They didn't like his coaching. They didn't like his English. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Norm's sorry bit more sinister. He quit, didn't he? Well, he didn't quit. The company he was hired for, which Derek Malone had connections with, was uh, cheating on their taxes, which makes me question Derek Malone's integrity. Yeah. And that's quite a big topic nowadays, isn't it? Especially for Norm as an accountant. Yeah, he could get in a lot of trouble with the IRS, particularly over the last few years. It's been quite a big thing. Mm. A lot of politicians have been asked to release their tax returns. A lot of celebrities have been in trouble for storing money yeah. in the Cayman Islands, and I don't think it was necessarily ahead of its time, but given the rise of technology now, it shows how prevalent that is. Yeah. So a lot of people could have been doing this, but just weren't necessarily caught doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame Norm was caught in the crossfire of that. And Norm, as soon as he's in a job, he's back out of it. He didn't do anything wrong. No. They just got caught and needed to get rid of staff. Because they were in trouble with the police, mm. the company could no longer function, essentially. It's a shame. But poor Norm. I think he's quite a honourable man, is Norm. And I think he would, and definitely does prefer being without a job than he's, being a criminal. He's an accountant the whole family can enjoy. It's a nice callback for you there. There you go. That's in on his CV. We talked about Chuck. He's played by Tim Cunningham. This character would go on to be renamed Tim in honour of, uh, you know, Tim Cunningham. And as you pointed out, it's these other barflies. So Jack's left, but it's right, Tim's here. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I know. We talked a bit in the last episode about how there's a real sense of community within the bar. I think it's nice that they've used his real name as well. Because that was something we talked way, way back about how a lot of these characters in the bar have their own name as their character. And it's about having that personality and that they can play themselves, which I think is quite nice. But my favourite bar flies of this episode the two women yeah. oh they were fantastic they're <laughs> just a bad influence on each other it reminded me of Ab Fab you know absolutely fabulous they just spent forever trying to decide what drink they wanted they built up through the drinks started with something basic like a tea I imagine as the night went on because we only saw them for one conversation but I like to think they were you know drinking litres of Sambuco or something at the end I like to think that they never actually drank anything no they just kept changing their minds and never got anything <laughs> yeah they started with a cup of tea and then one of them went oh my I have a small sherry and it just grew from there like, <laughs> I think we'll end up with a carafe carafe of beer carafe of house whiskey yeah Carla's going to run tap for them as well Bloody Mary from the fridge yeah, five litres of get blood. that in there all of these drinks have appeared <laughs> in Cheers and it's wonderful what I do love about this setup of these two women going back and forth about what they're going to drink it's totally in line with the episode of the will they won't they indecisiveness and it's then, such a good but one of them decides you know it builds up and builds up and yeah. builds up but then she orders it so forcefully She looks Carla dead in the eye, just rattles off really quickly what she wants. Two Boilermakers, Wild Turkey and a Bud. She gets the brand names. I feel like what it is, they've got families at home somewhere and been like, oh, we've got to be with our family, we've got to be well behaved. They're letting loose. (laughs) They've cut back, they were going to have a cup of tea each. As I said, they're going to be licking the walls come the end of the season. They're quite the inspiration, aren't they, John? Yeah. Lois de Banzi, as lead number one. They weren't given names, which is a shame. 
but she also played Eleanor Roosevelt in Annie, the musical, which is quite different. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Koljak in The Naked Gun, 33 and a Third, The Final Insult. 33 and a Third? Yeah. The, the, is that the, like a joke number? Yeah. Okay. It was <laughs> The Naked Gun, The Naked Gun, Two and a Half, and The Naked Gun, 33 and a Third, and it's called The Final Insult. The second one's called The Smell of Fear. She also played Mrs. Gwynn in an episode of Taxi. Okay, Taxi's made its way into the final episode. Of course it would. Jimmy B's got to keep that up. Slide in Taxi references. And Helen Page Camp played Lady Number Two. And she also appeared as Margaret Firth in mm. three episodes of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay. So, you know, these two, they were wonderful. I think they needed their own sitcom together. Would have been like Golden Girls. <laughs> I think they should have solved crimes in it as well. Oh, yes. That would have been good. It's a bit sure. No, but I feel like it would be like they find a clue and collectively they like, Build it up until it's we know who the murderer is just through a string of random conversations. It would have been like a cross between Golden Girls and Murder Shiva. Yeah. We were asking when Lansbury would be in. She could have been one of these. Yeah, so we've got those characters. That's the cast in this little drama we have going on. A lot of stakes happening, a lot of plates being juggled. Never juggle being, plates. Being spun. <laughs> You you do you, John. I juggle my plates. <laughs> a lot of plates being juggled in the air and how this all fits together and combining all the themes with these different things. So it's obviously jealousy, Sam's jealousy about Diane. Mm. And there's suppressed emotions that they have for each other and they go on through the episode and I feel they finally explode in the final scene. The yep. final scene in the office. It covers almost a quarter of the episode. Does it? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't time it. And the staging is constantly changing. Where they are positioned builds up this kind of tension. In the bar scenes, it's quite quite common for people to stay in the same place behind the bar just to have conversation. This office scene, they can move around a lot yeah. more, and they do. And there's more props for them to play with. Yeah. The range of emotions in this scene, it varies through lust, rage, anxiety. They let everything out. Yeah. It's just an explosion of emotions. We get to finally see the answer to will they, won't they, for this season. I feel like we should have a drum roll. I always wanted to pop you one. <laughs> Maybe this is my lucky day, huh? You disgust me. I hate you. Are you as turned on as I am? More. And there we have it. They're getting together. Did you get it right? Let us know what you thought would happen. And where would it go from here? Well, that's what we've got to see. But yeah, a strong final. We got answers to some of the questions that we got left with in part one. And some things are left hanging. Norm's job. What will he do? He was begging before. Yeah, what's he going to be doing? He might be begging again. I don't see Norm behind the counter at Cheers. He was there once, wasn't he? Just like mouth to tap. Like a cat. Yeah. We know what that sound is, John. It's mail time, the last mail time for this series. Yeah, we've got someone with a drinks order. Yeah, okay, bring on the drinks. It says uh, pina colada all day, every day. So that's our special then? That is the special for tonight, and what a way to end the series, John. Who's that from? That's from uh, Mr. Troy Anthony Grant, so it is. Okay, and we'll get that drink ready for you soon, Troy. Here where nobody knows your name. We always make drinks to order. Lovely tropical drink to end the series. I guess we're celebrating as well. Thank you, Troy. Now the first question, I'm going to read a little bit of a quote. I want you to finish off how Diane describes Sam. She says, While I, Diane Chambers, bred and educated to walk with the kings, once offered a full scholarship at the Sorbonne, have allowed myself to become attracted to... Some kind of oaf. I've forgotten. A six foot three inch bubblegum card. (laughs) Which I thought was a nice sort of reference to Sam baseball card, but also like a two dimensional jock athlete runs a bar. She's eloquent. Yeah. You would not want to get in a battle of wits with Diana. Imagine her in a rap battle. Don't. don't No, I can't imagine that. Bad enough seeing her sing, you'll never walk alone. (laughs) I've got one here. What was the name of the company that Norm lost his job at in this episode? Three names. The three owners of the company. Is it one Derek? No, surnames. 
Dawn Malone. <laughs> no, no, no. I can tell you. Yeah. Goldstein, Borgman, and Karakami. Crooks. Crooks. They're all crooks, James. They're all crooks. Cheating on their tax returns. We, we talked about the two women earlier. What did they eventually order? Two Boilermakers, Wild Turkey and Bud. Correct. A Boilermaker being beer with a whiskey on the side. Mm. Good choice, John. Good choice. I'll be all right with that. I'll have two. Now, Diane posed a good question to Coach, which is, why is he here? He takes a day off. What day of the week does Coach take off? Works six oh, days a week. He, he takes Wednesdays off, and he goes a little bit slower. I'm going to give you that. The answer is Thursdays. Uh, but he comes in, but works a little slower. He's a dedicated man. Determined. Works hard. <laughs> That's every day we do our podcast. That explains it. Now, we've kind of already answered my final question. The opening scene, where Tim Cummingham's character is nervous about working as a janitor in a biology lab, was the same script from an episode. But which episode was it from? Coach's daughter. Correct. You know it's been refilmed because you can notice Rhea Pillman's pregnancy mm. in this version of the scene. I didn't look back, but I wonder if Diane was in the background of it in Coach's daughter as well. I don't know, but I felt it was one of the ones they could do without Diane yeah. being present. Yeah. It would have been nice if they had built on it before it was like such a regular thing that this person comes in they have to do the same routine of cleaning every time it would have been nice if they changed the dialogue slightly yeah see you again soon mm. or your usual as he orders the drink yeah it's the end of the season john the last call at the bar for season one how are you feeling you know i'm feeling like we've been on a long road we've seen a lot of episodes we've come to a good stance here i'm looking forward to season two will they won't they they are let's see how it goes we've been on a journey with these characters we not only know their names we know their story we know their background we know what troubles them we've shared some highs and lows and it's all taken place in a nice cozy little bar can I have a pina colada, John? I'd rather have two Boilermakers, Wild Turkey and Buzz. You can have that. I'll have a pina colada. What about a cup of tea? Sherry. A small, small sherry. White wine. Oh, it's quite cold out today. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again soon. See you in season two.